There's a Donald Trump sign on my lawn now. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, Lydia. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm leaving soon anyway. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast. Uh, my name's Alex, and no, uh, this is the podcast where we talk about Homestuck and read you about it. It's true. That's still Alex. I'm Lydia. I'm still, still Alex, and I still haven't read it. I, I, I'm still Lydia, and I super have. And we're going to tell you about it today. It's pages 42, 21 through 43, 48. We're going to meet the last three mystery trolls, and a bunch of them are going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. As per yep. usual. Uh, but we're going to learn a bit more about why they're terrible. That's true. Right. But before, before we meet the terrible ones, there's we're going to meet one who's like super lovely and dear to my heart. We meet Kanaya. I can finally say her name. It's good. She's been more and more important. I can say her name now. She's Kanaya. Yeah. Uh, so, and she's one of the ones that I have heard the name of before, just like from following people who've read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, nice to finally put her name to the face. She's very popular. I, I think she's a fan favorite character. I can understand why. She seems very good. She's very cool. Yeah, so she's, um, she's, I mean, all of these trolls are like special snowflakes in different ways, but Kanaya is a special snowflake in that, um, she, she can tolerate and actually enjoys the sun, which most trolls, like, can't even be in sunlight. They're nocturnal? Yeah. That was never made clear. It was like a throwaway thing. It it was like briefly discussed as we were introducing Carcat and then just taken for granted with all of the rest of the trolls. But like if you I notice see. like all the backgrounds were like really dark. And yeah, gloomy. I just assumed that it was like really stormy out everywhere. Oh yeah, no, they're nocturnal. They don't go outside during the day. Except for Kanaya. Yeah. Uh, and she has this tower which we've seen before, and it looks like Jade's tower. Mm-hmm. And it's right beside a uh frog temple like Jade's. Uh and she enjoys uh, gardening and landscaping, like Jade. She does, which is, like, also cool because, I don't know, trolls don't like the sun, and so apparently, like, I guess that also means they're not terribly into gardening, so she's yeah. very unusual for that as well. Exactly. Um, and she also really likes um, bright colors, which is also unusual for trolls. They're very utilitarian, but she really likes bright colors, like beautiful patterns. I, I mean, I don't know about that. Like, uh, Terezi has bright colors. Ter- uh, but Terezi is also an exception because she, like, tastes that's them. That's true. Well, that's true. But I think before... Uh, never mind. It's just... It, it, that's explicit exposition. We're just informed. Hussey yeah. doesn't, isn't always great at showing rather than telling. We are informed that trolls are very utilitarian. Which is fairly... Like, if you look at most of their outfits, they're very simple. And Kanaya's outfits are all, like, these extravagant, like, kimonos. Right, And, and yeah. gowns and stuff. That's fair, because she also has a uh, wardrobe of fire uh, set to random, just like Jade did. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get it? She's like Jade. She's like Jade, and she's uh, got Jade <laughs> green blood. Yep. Whoa. Um, so, except, so she's like Jade, but she's also a lot like Rose, because she's really into the spooky occult. Because, right. like, the sunlight is, is, like, spooky and goth for so there's un- So there's undead things that come out during the day. Right when all the little trolls are sleeping. Right. Um, but yeah, so she uh, she has her trusty chainsaw, which is a lipstick tube. I love it! I love which that. Is a, 
And that's a callback to um, the Midnight Crew. Or not. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. Okay. Um, Which is in who's... turn a callback to Problem Sleuth. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, we meet her and she seems nice. And then she um, talks to another troll. Right. This is um, Cuttlefish Color, who is very charming, except for the fact that Hussy puts an arsler in her mouth almost immediately, which is completely out of character for her. Like, completely out of character for her. Yeah, it's like, literally, um, she believes in, like, equality. We learn later. Yeah, she's in, she's like a very active, like, crusader for that stuff. Like, she's... I, it's, yeah, it's just inconsistent and lazy. Yeah. Um... But basically, so she's one of the water trolls. Correct. The aquatic trolls who we haven't met yet at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she talks about her relationship with the other aquatic troll, uh, with Kanaya. Um, but we don't really get to see what's going on there yet. Right. We know that their relationship's a little weird. Um, and she basically, she knows, she, she sees herself as keeping an eye on him. Because she knows that he tends to be, like, unruly. Um, yeah. We also know that um, CC uh, hears, like, whispers about the future. Like, her, her Lucis, presumably. I don't know. It's her Lucis. We're going to find out later. But um, mm-hmm. that right now it's just a mysterious she who, who whispers to her about things in the future. Right. And she's jealous of Kanaya, who has... Uh proper cloud visions like Jade. Right. That are more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those visions told Kanaya that her Lucis is about to die. Yeah. Who, and yeah, we look outside and the, uh, the virgin mother grub is on the ground. Um, and also we, we should mention, um, that she was chosen by the virgin mother grub because of her Jade green blood. Mm-hmm. It's like, incredibly rare, like, never recorded in history before. But I think it's... the jade green blood is very rare, but then, like, being adopted by a mother grub is, like, it's never happened. Oh, okay. Like, there's no historical record of it. Right. Um, so, but she, like, has been seeing visions and stuff, so she sort of, like, she she understands that, like, her, by by adopting her, like, this mother grub has guaranteed that, like, she will still have progeny, like, by adopting Kanaya. Mm. So, and we don't know how that's going to happen yet, but part of it appears to involve the fact that, um, Kanaya very calmly goes outside to her, her dead parent and, um, chainsaws her side open, jams her hand in, (laughs) and pulls out this thing that looks to, I haven't actually watched this in years, but it looks like the funk from Old Greg. Have you seen Old Greg? I have no idea what you just said. You've never seen old... You want some Baileys? It's creamy. I'm sure this is is hilarious. It's actually really problematic as I reflect on it now. Oh, I'm sure. Um, it's... Oh, is that the, like... It's a swamp creature hitting on this random guy. Right. And then in the middle there's a huge interlude about the funk. The, the, what's, what are they called? The Great Belouche or something? I don't know. The, like, the, the comedy guys who made that. I have no idea. I was too... I, I watched it when I was so young that I still, like, assumed all content came from a vacuum. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, like, in the middle of it, there's this interlude about, like, the funk and how, like, I think it's the band Parliament, like, discovered the funk underwater. And they, the funk is this literal, it's like an organism, and it's like, I think it's, I think it's actually a, a, a ball covered in tits. Oh. But, so this is a little bit different, but the, the, they're rendered very stylistically as, like, just sort of, like, thin, pointy things. And this, the, the object, which we discovered later, is called a matriorb. Is is a sphere? It's you know a like a, a it's a it's a dark gray uh, soccer ball sized orb. Yeah, uh, and it's covered with these uh, troll horns that are kind of growing out of it. Right. Uh, so it seems to be a kind of uh, embryo. Right. Of some sort for a, a brood. Right. It has to do with the the mysterious process of troll reproduction, which we're going to learn a little bit more about um, later on. Which I guess we can just mention right now it involves like combining genetic material and so perhaps the matriarch is something like a dryer ball yeah (laughs) (laughs) for mixing the slurry that's a perfect analogy thanks um yeah so that's 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 how uh the virgin queen uh gets her progeny secured Right, right. Is um, Kanaya Kanaya stores the matriarch in her chastity modus, which apparently she will serendipitously discover the key to unlock it again in the moment when she needs it. Yeah, you say something is a lot was probably a lot funnier during Twilight. Yeah. What, what do you mean? The whole like her being into like rainbow drinkers. She's of like troll vampires. Um, okay. Right. You know, she's already, like, spooky, and she's outside during the day and, and whatever, but, um... I see. So the, ra- the rainbow drinkers are, like, the undead, mysterious things. No, the... the those are those are literal zombies, and they're real. Okay. <laughs> Which is why she doesn't go outside most of the time during the day. Um, that's why she has the chainsaw, I think, is that so that she can defend herself if she needs to. But, um... Right. She, uh... She really likes these rainbow drinkers because she's just obsessed with, like, goth stuff. They're right. vampires, and they're supposedly not real, but... She, they totally are. They probably are, and she, like, she goes to, like, taste her Lucis's blood, and it's disgusting to her, and there's a blah panel, like, when Rose tried her mom's martini. Oh, right. Uh, nice. That's a nice parallel. Um, yeah, so we find out that her... Moirail, is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, is Vriska. Um, and that means that they are in some way romantically entangled, although it's still not clear to us how. Right. Um, and that's when she has the conversation with Vriska about their, uh, Lucide dying. Oh man, someone is making popcorn and it smells really good. Oh no! Last week it was, um, was it fish? It was egg. Egg! Man, my neighbors are very prolific cooks. Yeah, wow, they've got got some some really really serious range on those the two, uh, the two food groups. Guys, don't you wish that we could present this podcast to you in smellovision, <laughs> so we could all be immersed in the culinary miasma? Same. That's a good nickname, or not nickname? Uh, episode title: Immersed in the Culinary mi- Miasma. Yeah. Do you say culinary? Yeah. Okay, I say culinary. That's probably correct. I like culinary, though. That's 
Thanks. Um, so, yeah, so they have that conversation. And then the final troll, Caligula's Aquarium, uh, contacts Risa. Oh, He's the worst! This is the worst Really? Troll. Interesting. Um, so I was kind of distracted by the fact that his name, like, literally references a Earth's histor- historical figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we, there is, like, Troll Will Smith and everything, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah. Um, she calls it his accent silly, and what his typing quirk is, is mostly, um, he doubles W's and V's. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of gives it, uh, to me, when she said he has a funny accent that made him, like, transform into a Dracula voice. Like, Fine. who gives a shit? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like, I think there's really no good fandom consensus for what his accent is supposed to be. Right, because later we find out it's like it's supposed to be wavy, which doesn't really make sense as a human concept. Right. Oh, they burned their popcorn. Oh no. Oh boy. That's a good thing this isn't smell o vision. <laughs> um and they're talking about her visions as well. And he says he has clouds too, and they don't tell him shit. <laughs> they show him like visions of mayhem and destruction and like suffering, apparently. Right. He's very sad. Oh, there's a really good line somewhere. Oh, she hasn't said it yet. She's gonna say... Oh, no, there was one really good line already that she said when she was talking to Cuddlefish Color, uh, who I want to... that I want to just, like, mention, because it's funny to me. Um, <laughs> just to, like, totally derail this for a second. Um, there's a bunch of good lines here. But so one of them is... So Cuddlefish Color's... Her whole typing quirk is that... So she's got the Pisces symbol, which is kind of, like, two parentheses facing the wrong way. So that, like... Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, yeah, when... Yeah. Right. And so so that's that's what she makes her H's into, but then also her thing is pitchforks or I guess tridents. And so mm-hmm. her capital E's, she'll like put a bunch of dashes in front of it to make it look like a pitchfork. And the more excited she is, the more dashes. The more and dashes. Res- uh, yeah, and uh can I was like that that E kinda got away from you, huh? <laughs> she says she says, You forked an innocent D loitering over there by the shout pole, minding its own business. Yeah. She calls it, what I love about it is that she calls it a shout pole. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're talking about Caligula's Aquarium, who's just, he's terrible. He calls Kanaya the, um, the village bike of, uh, well, he calls it the village two-wheel device. I don't, yeah, I don't understand what that means. You've never, you've never heard the expression, the village bicycle? No. It's slut-shaming. Oh, and, like, okay. everybody, everybody hops Ooh. on and rides. Ooh, the ant is exploring my leg. Hello. Should, we need to like, we need to like start crediting this ant. Yeah. So I've so for the past couple of weeks, um, I've had an ant in my apartment, um, but it's only one ant. <laughs> so like I've only ever seen one at a time, and she's just kind of like exploring everywhere. And there's really no food out for her. So eventually, she'll just like like patrol somewhere else. Um, but she just kind of, like, crawls onto my legs sometimes, and I'm like, oh, hello. Oh my god, you have a pet ant. Are you aware oh, of this? What should I name her? The first thing that popped into my head was Vriska, but don't do that. I won't. <clears throat> um, Ooh, um, you should name her Crodome. Crodome? I don't know, I'm looking at the list of band names. Oh, okay. 
Um, you should name her. No, you should name her. We're gonna come with something original here. Meredith. Meredith. I have an aunt, Meredith. Oh, lovely. That's beautiful. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Meredith, the aunt who lives with me. Hell yeah. Um. Okay. So. Oh, so uh, so so C A is calling Kanaya the village bicycle because she apparently mediates everyone and that's also like a romantic entanglement sort of a thing is to mediate people who are having disputes because troll right. romance right um okay meredith meredith on my hand just like all right i'm gonna flicker her away she'll be fine oh, <laughs> no she's too fast this this makes for riveting radio i know <laughs> All right, uh, I assumed you were going to edit it out, but yeah, I think we should absolutely broadcast. I know, Mer- Meredith is our third co-host. That's true. Um, so yeah, um, Kanaya and uh, CA talk about uh, some relationships. Yeah, CA is trying to get her to put put him in touch with Riska because he needs to plan the, like, doomsday device scenario. And she's like, why would I help you with that? Yeah. Literally Because uh, she's, like, rational and not genocidal. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she also mentions that, um, aside from her clouds, she also has another source of information to know what's going on. Oh, right. She says, like, like, you don't have to worry about like, committing genocide because the entire world is going to blow up tonight. Right. And she's like, I have, like, besides the clouds, I have another source telling me about it. And what that source is, she connects to it, and it is Rose's server. Yeah! I totally called this. You did, and I was trying really hard to be cagey about it. Yeah, you were like, I'm not sure, I don't remember. I actually, full disclosure... I didn't remember. Um, That's what I thought. Which is preposterous because this is actually, it's very important that Kanaya has been reading Rose's Right, because y- you said, like, if it does happen, it obviously isn't important because I don't remember. Yeah, no, it's very important. I just didn't, I just didn't remember. Yeah, so, um, so what she does is, like, she's reading this game fact, so she knows kind of what's happening. Uh, and she assumes because these, uh, kids who were in this session, were so knowledgeable uh, and figured out everything so intelligently that their their session must have gone very well. Um, and she imagines... she We get, an, like, an image of Rose uh, as a troll because there's no way for Kanai to know that she is not a troll. Uh, and just, like, looking super, bad, super badass, like, with her black magic uh, knitting needle. It's very cool. It's so cool. She thinks Rose is so cool. And she doesn't know how it ends, but she's just, like, imagining that they're very successful, and I love it. Yeah, and the the narration's like, you could not possibly imagine ever speaking to this person. Right, because she's probably been dead for millions of years. Right, of course. Ha ha. Anyway, uh, we jump straight from that to Tevros entering the land of Sand and Zephyr. Get ready to be really uncomfortable with how Vriska treats him and also how Hussy handles the whole thing. Yeah, so first of all, it's, it's like, very, um, funny that, uh, 
the guy in a wheelchair is on the sand planet. Oh, like, quote, I didn't even un- catch that one. Quote, unquote, funny. Like, I didn't even, I literally did not even catch the sand gag. I caught that, um, he, so he's on, uh, his house I mean, is a windmill. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Don Quixote reference. Because he jousts. Oh, okay. Tilting nice. at windmills. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so, and then Vriska is his server player, because, uh, Tavros, I mean, uh, because Carcat needed her to enter the game, and so she has, she did build him a ramp to get him into the game, to, like, save his mm-hmm. life. She has now built exclusively stairs. Yeah, and she, uh, gleefully wants him to, uh, climb the stairs, by which she means crawl up the stairs laboriously. Yeah. Uh, and she's... Saying, oh, it's going to make you strong. Oh, you're so weak. I'm going to, like, I'm going to make you so strong and such a good player. Remember when we, like, flarped? That was so much fun, but you're such a weak player. Ha ha ha. And he just, like, kind of takes it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really have any retorts. Um, he just kind of, like, nuh uh. Which, honestly, I'm, I strongly empathize with, because that's how yeah. I behave when, when people are shitty in the way that Vriska is shitty. I just shut down, because it's just like... I, I think yeah. Aradia says exactly that, like, exactly this, which is just like, you can't win, like, even if you beat her, she still wins. Because she's just so insufferable. Yeah, exactly. And also Tavros is not the quickest draw, probably, I would say. No, the poor guy. I mean, not, I'm not saying, like, he's dumb. I'm just saying, like, he doesn't have any witty comebacks, really. Yeah, he's not combative. He, she's What's happening is she's needling him. She wants to be, like... It seems... I mean, and, and, and what's about to happen kind of details this a little bit further, but she's, like, half teasing him, half trying to, like, start a rivalry with him, and he won't engage her in either direction. He kind of just right. wants to be left alone. Yeah, exactly. In fact, he very badly wants to be left alone. She finally, she keeps asking him to apologize for being paralyzed. She, she uses the word crippled a bunch of times, and he's like, uh, I'm not going to apologize for being paralyzed. He actually says, that's ridiculous given the circumstances, and I won't do it. Yeah. But but she won't let him get out of it. She's like, because she's his server player, she can't touch him, but she grabs his chair, which I yeah. kind of feel like she shouldn't be able to grab because it's an assistive... I don't know. That's right, weird. but she like she grabs it and like physically shakes him back and forth. Yeah, it's awful. Like, and I can't. I honestly can't tell if this is supposed to be like dark humor that you kind of hussy what like imagines that you kind of laugh at but feel bad about because just like as an adult who like has grown past like jokes about disabled people. This is just horrible. Yeah. No, it really is. It felt, I think I can remember having laughed at this situation, but I just, I felt like sick and uh, like sad. Yeah. For, for like, you just feel so bad for Tavros and, and, ugh, like, it's garbage. And there's no reason, I mean, like, there are other ways to show that Vriska is a terrible human being. Yeah, we've already established that she's a mass murderer. Yeah. Um, but that's not enough in this comic. No. Um, anyway, 
Um, anyway, uh, so then, uh, so it, it awakens his self-esteem, which is literally Dante Bosco in the movie, uh, what's it actually called? The, where Peter Pan is a grown-up. Uh, I think it's just called Pan. Okay, yeah. When I think. Dante Bosco um, has that hair. Yeah, uh, with big, uh, Tavros horns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did actually forget that there's a troll who's literally just Dante Bosco. And, like... Dante Vasco is a reader now because people kept telling him about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got really into the fandom for a while. I'm not sure if he still is, um, but he, like, would show up in conventions and stuff. Yeah. I think in cosplay. Oh my god. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure he, like, read the end. Yeah. Um, anyway, this, that's that's a good joke. Uh, I wish it, there was a better circumstance for Rufio to come out. I agree. But Tabros just kind of, like, Pushes him back in. He's like, not now. Now is not the time for Rufio to come to play. Yeah. Well, he, like, remembers that he's not real. Oh, yeah. And then gets, like, sad. And is just, like, sitting in his chair, like... Ugh. And then... Right. So, but then Kanaya is watching all of this happen, like, via, um... Vriska, because Kanaya is Vriska's server player. And she, like, bumps her in the head with her toilet. And is like, um, can you not... Like, can you, can you be less awful? Yeah, and, uh, she's like, I'm still figuring out these controls, I have no idea if I'm gonna, like, drop the contents of the toilet on your head or not. It could happen at get, any time. That gets risk to stop. Yeah. She's like, she, but, she keeps trying to say, like, I'm just trying to help him, and Kanaya says, think of another way to help. Yeah. Uh, and she does. Um, she goes down mm-hmm. the stairs to one of her loot rooms. Uh, she has lots of those because she, I guess, steals all the stuff that her victims have. Right. Um, so, and she, like, you know, is a pirate. Mm-hmm. Like her. Uh, so she grabs the rocket boots that she has down there, and she gets the, uh, capture code for them, which is shoes. Right. In a uh, callback to, um, the rocket pack that John had. Mm-hmm. Which was Pachu, which he didn't believe was really the capture code. Right. Right. Um, and then she com- uh, she and Tavros combine the rocket shoes with his wheelchair and give him a rocket chair, which is cool. Which is, and, like, way easier as a solution. Like, Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah. Come like, on. It's, yeah, Vriska uh, was just being horrible. Yeah, it has super cool flames on it. Like... Yeah, it does. And it's, like, shaped like a go-kart. Yeah, it's awesome. But, like, a cool one. And he looks so happy once he actually gets it. He's, like... Yeah, he gets that, like, stupid little grin. I love him. Yeah. And then he, um, he immediately flies. It's, it's like, now he doesn't even have to climb the stairs, period. Like, he just flies straight up. And, like, through his, his first gate. Which, uh, leads him straight to Briska's house, and he crashes oh. into her bedroom. Oh, no. And this, then there's this scene... Uh, so, yeah, so Vriska was asleep, uh, we assume, on Prospector Durs, and then she wakes up. Oh, no, she's in her own house. Oh, well, right, well, oh yeah, she's dreaming she's on Prospector here. Yeah. Right. Um, and then she wakes up, and sees that Tavros is uh, caught in a spider web, uh, hanging from her, a hole in her uh, wall. Right. Uh, she dumps him out onto the floor. Uh, he can't get up. Yeah, and, uh, so she, she 
starts like one-sidedly like re he's just like lying there kind of dazed i think he's in shock and um and she's like reenacting what she later reveals is a very poorly remembered version of the story of pupa pan right which involves like comes. flinging she, she's wearing a, a different dress she's or she was just wearing like jeans and a shirt and now she's wearing like this this white dress with like like a frayed hem and some like and fairy wings and fairy wings and she um she sprinkles some fairy dust on his face or special which stardust is, yeah which is just like sparkle like glitter it's just glitter she she throws glitter on his face and so now he's like he's got glitter in his eyes and he's on the floor and can't get up and she like she's like oh he still can't fly because he's not thinking happy thoughts and so she hoists him up by the front of his shirt which she's also very strong apparently um she hoists him up by the front of his shirt like kisses him aggressively which he's not into he's like flailing and like Mm -hmm. confused and alarmed and then like stares at him and we see like a flickering gif between their faces that's like like a heart or a spade with a question mark yeah she can't decide in what way she's attracted to him because troll romance and then but then she like dumps him on the floor manipulates him into being attracted to her romantically and he like starts trying to like pull himself up to kiss her again and she's like disgusted by that and like demanipulates him and drops him back on the floor again yes um and of course kanaya has seen this whole thing yeah and kanaya has feelings for briska yeah and she sewed that dress for briska uh and she's not happy about this no it's it's really sad so so what we kind of glossed over is the fact that like there were little bits of um like i don't know like little hints dropped not very subtle um like up until now about how kanaya's like you know, there she, she and Vriska um, are Moirails, but um, she thinks maybe she has different feelings or whatever. And and yeah, she super had a crush on Vriska, which seems weird, but because Vriska's a terrible person, but <laughs> but she had a crush on her. I mean, that doesn't seem to factor in to this. No, that's How- true. <laughs> but but so so then she sees then she sees Vriska like kissing Tavros and like also I guess being a shitty person and it's just like she starts crying and her fortunately her her Lucis is now like part of a colonel and it can like she can talk to her and like comforts her and everything yeah, her, name she's is so Mother's, her name is Mother Sprite yeah uh, she is a terrifying like large insect with a skull with lips and horns but yeah I mean she's less large than she was in life true um, I, I think she's cool. She looks cool. I think she looks cool, too. I, like, it reminds me of this, um, sci-fi story that I read a lot of years ago about, you know, this hypothetical future where humans had formed, like, uh, they had become, like, they had formed a society with this alien species that was, like, kind of, like, um, a millipede the length of a room. Okay. And they, like, have, like, and so the, it's it's mostly the story of just, like, this boy coming of age with his, like, aunt, who is, you know, not really his aunt, but best friends with his mother, and she's a room-sized millipede. 
you're going to have to link me to that. <laughs> I will try to remember to do so. Um, it's, it's, the parallels don't stop there. Like, I think at some point, like, I can't say more about where the parallels are because it totally spoils the story, but it's, okay. oh, it's a weird one. But anyway, so, um, ah, okay. So, so it's time for Troll Romance Exposition. Oh, boy. Um, so I'm going to try to summarize this as quickly as possible. Yeah, let's then, do that. And then Lydia will uh, go into more detail. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's, um, instead of just uh, romantic love... Wait, we don't go into, into troll romance just yet. We have, um, we, have, we have a whole thing with the treasure map. Uh, there's the treasure map and then he, oh, and then he ends up in, uh, Riska's room. But wait, okay, oh yeah, so the thing ha- that I wanted to say that. is just that, yeah. this is, this is kind of important, that, um, we don't see this happen, Riska has to, like, fill us in, but, um, Tavros has made it, like, pretty far in the game without killing anything, because right. he... yeah, that is important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what he's been doing is, um, communing with the, uh, denizens and the imps on his planet, and instead of, uh, getting XP, he's been solving puzzles with them, uh, which consists of um, going into these temples and digging up uh, pieces of these uh, mosaics, basically, that are shaped like uh, amphibians. Right. And and so, yeah, he's managed not to kill anything, which immediately reminded me of Undertale. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. That's definitely uh, not a coincidence. Um but what, but what also, I think is cool is... Sorry, wait, go ahead. It also um, is a parallel to his Flarp level, mm-hmm. where, like, he was the class that got no abilities until, like, he levels up a lot. Right. So in this one, he's just not leveling up at all. True. But he's he's moving along in the world a whole bunch. And, right. And, and acquiring this army of imps and ogres, and, like... It's a huge army of, of like, creatures that are following him around at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's got, like, a... Like, several dozen of these orange creatures uh, just kind of toting along behind him. Yeah. Riska shows a rare, um, like, moment of, like, perceptiveness where she actually says, like, you know, I think you, uh, I bet you you would try to get through this whole game without killing anything. But maybe that's okay. Maybe it's just your style and your real strength is surrounding yourself with allies who are much stronger than you. And, like, yeah. She also says allies who are stronger than you, like me. Uh, like, but, you know. But, but yeah, that is perceptive. Um, and that's a great strategy. Like, why is she complaining? That's an awesome strategy. Yeah. I mean, for her, it probably seems... Uh, Feeble. Weak. And, like, cull-worthy. Yeah. Um, but that's because she's awful. Know? I think it's a yeah. great strategy. <laughs> me too. No, yeah, that definitely struck a chord with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so, troll romance. Oh boy. Instead of, uh, one kind of romance, uh, represented by a heart, there are, oh, hello, Meredith, there are <laughs> four Meredith's rom- back, because she wants to, Meredith's, like, got her chin in her hands, she's excited to hear about romance. <laughs> um, there are four, um, types of romance represented by the four suits of the card deck. Uh, basically there's, um, romance... There's red romance, which is, or, uh, flush romance. It's, the, the, it's, do you mean, are you talking about one quadrant or one, like, hemisphere? 
Uh, but yeah, so there's um, <laughs> okay, so there's the black and red suits, uh-huh. um, and they're in a grid, and so there's um, what we would call, I guess, like romantic versus platonic. Sure. But but they're like more uh, intense than that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's just like the human approximation, um, and then so those are like the west and east hemispheres, and then the um top hemisphere is kind of like functional relationships or like positive relationships right and the bottom hemisphere is like dysfunctional or negative relationships yeah so the heart is like two people who like each other who like are in a romantic relationship yeah yeah and then the spade is the black romance which is um people who hate each other and um, want to smash. Want to smash. And the thing is, the thing is that that is not just like a weird cultural thing. It's literally necessary for reproduction. Like to reproduce, there needs to be genetic material both from a heart relationship and a spade relationship. Um, and if you don't have both, when the royal drone comes in Aachen, you're just gonna like get killed immediately. So all members of troll society need to have a nemesis who they're Bonin. Right. So that sort of explains some things about how this society works. Yeah. Um, and so sort of emerging, especially from the need to have a nemesis that you want to... Oh, so also I think it's interesting that the examples that, that Hussey chooses to give us of, like, red romance and black romance, respectively, are... Um, we haven't seen this really so far, but um, John's mo- John's dad and Rose's mom... Mm-hmm. are, you know, red heart for each other. We see them holding hands. Right. And, uh, which I think is super cute. And yeah. then, um, the example of black romance is, um, Jack Noir and the Black Queen. Right. And what it says is, um, like, humans looking at that relationship wouldn't really understand what's going on, but a troll would, like, spot immediately that it's black romance. Right. And they would think that we're stupid for not noticing. And the text says that we are. Right. Um, thanks, Hussie. Thanks. Uh, and then there's also... Is that where um, Aradia and Equius are as well? They're sort of uncomfortably vacillating where... Um, it's portrayed as both of them flipping, but it's basically Equius. Just can't decide if he hates her or loves right. her. But he super wants to smash. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Um, so th- those are the two like passionate uh, relationship types. There's also the uh, more platonic ones, right? And these all can like vacillate between each other. Like a platonic relationship can become like half passionate or completely passionate, and it's all. It's all messy. Right. Basically. So so basically what they're trying to say, I don't know, the best way to disambiguate that, because cause talking about things in quadrants like this and then talking about people vacillating makes it really confusing. And to be fair, the reader has to do a bunch of this interpretive work themselves. But um, the best and easiest explanation that, and, and he sort of does explain this, is that like, boy, it sure sounds like those are, you know, a whole spectrum of social dynamics that would happen anyway. Correct. Um, and it's more like, there are, like, strong biological drives 
in play, like your monkey mm. brain is involved, or I guess your fish brain for this species, um, <laughs> in a way that, like, your, your your monkey brain is involved in, in, like, your sexy nemesis relationship in a way that, like, it's not for people, like, you don't, you know how, like, right. like I don't know, maybe it's not like this. I know that it's not like this for everyone, but for a lot of people, we have this whole idea that, like, you meet someone that you're romantically attracted to, and it's, like, this special magical thing, because your brain is is biologically calibrated to do that, so you feel really driven to pursue it. And for trolls, they have that kind of a system going on for all of these different kinds of relationships. But that doesn't right. mean that their actual interpersonal feelings aren't still weird and complicated. Yeah, so basically, uh, it says, like, what drives trolls is their, like, very strong belief that they have romantic destinies, and not only, like, a romantic destiny, but they have, like, basically four soulmates out there, Mm -hmm. and, like, the purpose of life is to find your soulmates. Yeah, which is kind of, sounds kind of charming, is actually probably kind of toxic. Oh, yeah, yeah, because half of the, your soulmates are people that you hate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's um, Moirails, who are like the um, positive platonic soulmates, who are just like, uh, in theory, they're supposed to be like good friends who balance each other, like because um, trolls are selectively bred to be very uh, aggressive. Yeah. If you pair a, an aggressive troll with a more docile troll, like Equius and Nepeta. Um, in theory, they're supposed to balance each other out, although that kind of relationship can get really toxic, like those two. Right. Um, but we're actually shown um, a good example of the, that relationship, which is uh, the water trolls. And the text is like, oh, this is a great like opportunity to segue into meeting them. And then it's like, no, wait, we want to learn more about troll romance. Right. <laughs> As a joke. Um, and then it tells us about the final one, I think. Right. Which is uh, these... Uh, so that was... Moirals are like the diamond. Mm-hmm. So there's like two. And then there's the clubs. So there's three trolls involved. Uh, and that's like two two trolls who are, like, in opposition. Right, but they're not Kismises. Like, the idea no. is, this 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 relationship, like, the evolutionary purpose of this relationship is to make it so that people have an easier time sticking with just one, you know... Right. So, yeah, so there's a mediator, basically, uh, between these two bickering trolls to stop them from getting so uh, wrapped up in their anger that they become uh, black romantic. Or that uh, they also don't get so aggressive that they, like, destroy planets. Right, Which is yeah. the thing trolls do. Yeah, and it's also to, like, make sure there's a balance. Like, because there needs to be half and half, basically, of uh, heart relationships and spade relationships. Right. So if all these bickering trolls, because trolls are going to bicker, uh, if all of them develop into black romance, then that's going to throw everything out of balance. Right. It's so hard. God, it's so hard to talk seriously about this shit. It is, um, but also now that like I have the framework for this, uh-huh. it's so much like easier to understand what the trolls are like doing. Right. Like I like I can look at the word Moirail and like not have to worry about what that means because I get the gist. Right. Um, but also, it's just yeah, it's so stupid. Like I don't. 
It's really it's dumb not, and unnecessary. Yeah, it's it's dumb is what it is. It's dumb and unnecessary, and it's it's kind of a a lazy way to write a bunch of interpersonal drama into your yeah. characters' relationships instead of just the completely legitimate like interpersonal grievances and support systems that they've clearly like that we already watched unfolding that had nothing to do necessarily with, you know, this black romance. Like, Aradia doesn't want to, like, hate-bang Briska. She just hates her for paralyzing her friend. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like this, like, it is kind of a, like, cool in concept for, like, a social structure that is radically different from ours. Um, but the thing is that it's not, like, it's executed in a way that it's not radically different. It's just, like, different framing. Yeah. And also, it's just very not very well executed, I think. It's not clear, uh, and it's not very parsable. I agree. It's it's one of those things that, like, it's very... The, the, it's one of the many the many ways in which Hussey had a cool idea, and then executed it terribly, and then the fandom went and ran with it in some really interesting, reflective directions. Okay, that that's cool. Yeah. Also a lot of terrible directions. Sure. Probably more terrible directions than interesting, reflective ones, but, you know. Sure. Um, alright, so now we finally meet, uh, the last two trolls. The fish trolls! Yes. Uh, the first is Aridan, who is Caligula's aquarium. Yes. His Lucis is a seahorse that he can fly in the air. Right. Which is very cool. Um, and he's presented as, like, a super badass, uh, and we meet him as he's watching the storm clouds and he fires a gun, a laser gun of some kind, and shoots a sky whale out of the clouds into the sea. Yes. Which is some poor trolls Lucis, uh, but, you know, too bad for them. There's a very good reason that he's doing this, actually, and it's not there just is. that he's a genocidal asshole. There's, like, a, a very he, real and actually important reason that he's doing yeah, this, unfortunately. So, so he is... So he is a genocidal asshole, also. but also, but also he and uh, the second troll, Feferi, yeah. uh, need to work together to feed Feferi's Lucis, which is like the Leviathan, basically. Right. Her name is Glubgalub. She's a building-sized, like hill-sized mass of tentacles. Yeah. Uh, with a beak. And this enormous sky whale, like, is like a cracker to her. Yeah, it's like a ti- it's like an oyster cracker. It's just like the tiniest little like morsel. Yeah. For her, and then oh my god, I'd like Feffery is like a speck compared to her. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, she's so creepy looking. That's that's Feffery's mom. Yep. Um, but yeah, so these guys uh, look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aridan is the pinstripe guy that we saw so long ago. Right. Uh, he's got a really goofy, but I kind of like it design. Yeah, he's meant to look, it's written, you gotta remember this was like 2008 or 2009. He looks like a hipster. I was gonna say like Doctor Strange. That too, I guess. I didn't really have a good schema for Doctor Strange. He's got pinstripe pants, bowling shoes, um, I think he's wearing Rings a cape. On his fingers. Does he have a cape? Yeah, he's he's wearing a cape with a like a big uh like collar. 
collar. What a yeah. jackass. <laughs> I love him. Aaron sucks. I'm like, um, ugh. ugh. I, love him, I love him visually. Like, he's so over the top. Um, so, what I've been picturing this whole time uh, for our pinstriped friend was kind of the complete opposite direction. Um, I was imagining, like, a portly, like, Victorian with a bowler cap, a bowler hat. Uh-huh. Uh, and, like, a handlebar mustache. Oh my god, that's which amazing. Doesn't make, which doesn't make any sense because it's a kid. Well, but that's his personality, or at least that's the person, that's the persona that he, like, cultivates. It's really funny, because he basically tries to present that persona, but then is also, like, an incredibly whiny teenage boy. Yeah. He's, he's kind of set up similar to, uh, Equius, but I like him a lot better than Equius so far, because he hasn't done anything, like, objectively horrible, I guess. Right, he's not actively, like, a shitlord to people. He's actively, definitely insufferable and, and kind of, I don't know, presumptuous, but not, like, hostile. He doesn't bully. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, I promise he, he's a shitlord, though. This is, this is a bad I'm character. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, he, he had a good first impression. He did, he did, he makes it a more... Oh, man. He seems more nuanced than someone like Equius or... Right. He's less of a caricature, but no less of a villain. Yeah. And so basically, um, his deal is that he is a purple blood. Yeah. Which means he's royalty. He's above blue bloods. Right. And purple bloods live in the sea. They have, like, a mutation that gives them gills and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually doesn't live in the sea. Right, he lives on the edge of the water. Yeah, and he says it's to keep an eye on the land dwellers. Right. Um, and then we meet his friend, Feffrey, who is not only a purple blood, but the purplest blood. <laughs> she is, like, the highest in the case system, the caste system. It's magenta. Um, it's a dark magenta, yeah. And it's like, she is the empress when the when the current empress dies. It's true. And that's why she has that Lucis. Right. Uh, but she doesn't like the caste system. She doesn't like the culling. Um, she wants weak trolls to be cared for. And she uh, collects sea animals and like cares for them in her palace. Yeah. And she immediately, like, in the first conversation we see her have with Aridin, he keeps, you know, going on about, like, lousy land dwellers or whatever. And he's just like, she's just like, they're literally equal. Like, you're being dumb. Yeah, and also, like, you've spent, like, a few days total ever with us purple bloods. Because you don't like going underwater, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the other thing that you need to know about these characters is, um, is that they are Moirales, Aridin being the more violent partner in this, this mm-hmm. moral allegiance is the name for a moral relationship. I'm sorry, this comic. I'm sorry. I, I, okay. I hate that that word is readily available to me in my vocabulary. Mor- I know exactly. Moral allegiance. Moral allegiance. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they're, they're set up as, um, much 
uh, more functional than Equius and Nepeta. Right, but um, they're like I think Kanaya and Vriska are like a very healthy Moriel relationship. Okay, you know where where Kanaya seems to do a pretty good job actually of keeping Vriska in line as well as she possibly could. Right. Anyway, um, oh, but so what I'm trying to say is, um, Aridin is 100% in the friend zone of Feffery, in as much as, like, the friend zone is only ever a problem if you're, like, a resentful shithead, uh, which he totally <laughs> is. He, like, she just wants to be friends with him, and he, like, is definitely into her, but, like, won't say anything about it. Mm. And, uh, is just kind of, like, sullen about it, and, like, trying to complain to other people about it behind her back, and it's annoying to watch. Yeah. Remember when the friend zone was a buzz- buzzword? I guess you don't really care about the, the friend zone anymore. I'm not really hung up on it, no. Okay. Are you, like, embittered? I don't, I'm still, I, I get annoyed by the friend zone, because it's like, it's, it's, it's real. Like, I don't know. It's it's a thing that that resentment over the friend zone like is bad and, and makes it hard to be friends with dudes. Yeah, you know. So it's a li- it's a little annoying, and I think this is an example of very effective use of a cliche to characterize a, a character. Right. Um. I don't know. I find him insufferable. But, okay. But whatever. You clearly really like him, which is like I don't. I don't like him. I, I think he's a cool character so far. Okay. He is, and, like, I, I really like his design. Like, it's, it fits, it, like, strikes a really good balance between, like, um, <clears throat> over the top and, like, actually cool. That's true. Um, but I don't doubt that he is a horrible person, if you say so. He's, like, I probably should stop talking about that, because I think it's supposed to be more of a surprise that he's an awful person. Um, but I, I don't know, in, I guess, like, you, the, the genocidal impulses thing wasn't meant to read quite so shockingly. Yeah, it's not, like, at this point it isn't surprising to learn that one of these kids is, like, a genocide enthusiast. Like, he full-on just wants to murder every land dweller. Yeah, and, um, Feffery, uh, says, like, look, all your doomsday plans have failed so far. I think deep down you don't want them to come to fruition. Right. And he's like, how dare you? He is. Then they talk about their feelings for a while. They talk about yeah. romance. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, um, I don't care about their romantic equations, <laughs> really. No, but they do have a good partnership. And they, uh, when they're instructed to do something silly, they, uh, in the, like, shitty drawing style, mm-hmm. uh, race towards each other, and, uh, fist bump in midair. Mm-hmm. To the tune of hell fucking yes over multiple panels. Yes. So it's, it's cool. They're cool. It's very cute. We find out that Feffrey's, um, destiny is to unite the two races. Yeah. And I don't know if that means land trolls and sea trolls, or trolls and humans. Or something else. I straight up don't remember. <laughs> nice. At all. That, that, I'm drawing a total blank there, so we can all speculate together. I don't think, again, I'm, I'm not sure it's important. Like, okay. I, I'm not sure that Pfeffery's role is important. I think, I think 
other things that come into play are more important in bringing okay. about the thing that this is foreshadowing. Nice. Yeah. Um, and that's the reading. That's it. Uh, I think coming away from this, I'm relieved to kind of have a framework, literally, I guess that's a grid, um, for troll romance, even if it's dumb. Um, <laughs> just so that, just so that, like, I, whenever it comes up, uh, Lydia doesn't have to, like, placate me with saying it's complicated. Yeah, that's true. I definitely remember the first time I read that exposition, like, being a really nice, like, everything kind of falling into a, into place, but also that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listener questions. Listener questions. If you want to send us a question, you can send us an ask. We are hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com. We have an on turned on, so you can go ahead and get weird, and we won't know who you are. Um, uh, uh, mm, mm. Um, <laughs> Don't get too weird, but... Yeah, so I just want to... Um, we're not going to answer this, <laughs> but uh, an anonymous sent us a question. Uh, best waifu and why? Uh, smirky emoji. Uh, don't do that. Best waifu? As in, yeah. like, which of these characters do you want to smooch? Yeah, but, like, in a gross, like, appropriating Japanese culture way. Oh. Like a, like a weeaboo way. Oh. Um, don't do that. No, it's a <laughs> bad word, and you should feel ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> don't, that's a weird... They're, all of these characters are 13 years old! Exactly. Like, what is wrong with you? That's, yeah, that's not, uh, salient. Yeah. Um, but... I like maple Uh, salient to that, uh, Pastor asks us on Tumblr, um, this podcast would be more fun if either slash both of you did even the most rudimentary amount of shipping. Uh, and I'm gonna have to take umbrance with you, Brian. Umbrage with you, Brian. <laughs> umbrance. Umbridge. Uh, I don't think shipping is necessary. And I'm not interested in it. I don't think it's necessary. I do agree that it makes things fun. Okay, well, I don't want it to be part of this podcast. Wait, okay, but I have ships. I don't. They're canon, though. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna ship at you. Like, I'm just only, gonna, like, get really happy when they become salient. The only ship that I know is Dave Cat. Oh, um, no, and that never really even goes much of anywhere as far as I can remember. It might after the point where I, like, I let off reading, because mm. I think it was angling that way, but, um, and that shouldn't be a spoiler, because it will be whacked over your head a million times, um, <laughs> as at least, you know, fan baiting, if nothing else. But, um, no, there's other, there's other ships. There's, I mean, there's a budget, there's a million characters, and they yeah, all have well, stupid entanglements with each other. I, I definitely have at least one ship that I think you will agree is a good couple, and I just, you'll be happy to see them get together when they very far in the future do. I just, it's the same thing, like, they're 13, like, I don't want, like, I'm not interested in thinking about them being in love. Oh, I think it's sweet, like, they're, it's, like, sweet, it's not, like, it's not one of these, like, troll, like, romance, like, oh, like, we hate each other and we want to bang. It's, like, it's, it is, like, two kids, but they're just, like, they, like, it's, it's very, it's, like, a very cute, like, actually functional, like, young relationship, and it's really sweet to see. I mean, that's fine. Um, 
I just, like, I'll take that when the story gives it to me. I'm not interested in speculating on that. I never have been. Oh, yeah, no, I don't do that. I think, I guess that's really what they mean by shipping. Yeah, I don't, like, I'm not about to, like, I'm not here to, like, obsess about which characters are, like, super into each other. Like, I'll, you know, you watch that stuff unfold as it mm-hmm. unfolds. But I, I'm, there are, there are certain relationships that I'm a huge, that I have a big giant soft spot, soft spot for. One in particular. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. For sure. I'm not trying to, uh, grill you for that. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm into it in the way that you're, you really like, um... Coruscant. Yeah, where, like, you're not, you weren't, like, flipping out about it until the show gave you, like, a reason to be like, I think these characters genuinely might be attracted right. to each other. And right. with good reason. Yeah, it's like, it's like when it's, when the story is, like, hinting at it, and, like, you have every reason to believe that you're not going to be, like, queer-baited, then it's nice. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Pastor also asks, with so much more now revealed, thoughts on Alternia society as a whole? Which I think we've gone into. Um, it's, it's messed up and weird and interesting and poorly executed. Yeah. And poorly executed. Oh man, there's a a bunch of damn it, there's a bunch of very salient information to that question that we're not gonna learn for thousands of pages. Yeah. Also we have to wrap it up. Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta go get to our real life obligations. Do we have any more questions? <laughs> uh Dwellington has two questions as well. Oh thanks. Uh first, uh why do you two say homesteak so often but never hamstocks or hemsticks or hamstocks? Uh and I think it's just the way that garbled words come out of our mouths. It's the phonotactics of English. Certain yeah. certain syllables follow more logically after others. I like hamstocks. Hamstock. Hamstock you would have to like the thing is like you could you could mean to say homestuck and accidentally halfway through start to say yeah. hamsteak, but like if you start saying hamsteak, you've already committed to articulating. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and ham ham stuck like requires the kind of like a forty five degree turn halfway through the word. If that makes sense. Right. Whereas homesteak pad cost is completely natural and is what language was meant to was invented to say. Mm-hmm. Um I also want to publicly confess my shameful, shameful love for the beautiful trash character Vriska. Who are your problematic faves? Which was in double quotes. Uh, yours is Aridin. Look, <laughs> I just met the guy. <laughs> He's really bad. Uh, who's my problematic fave? Hmm. Ooh. I don't think Risk is necessarily a fave. <laughs> I think I really like. I like Terezi, and she's done some pretty bad stuff. I like, um, on a di- in a different way, I really like Jack, even though he's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really have yeah. a problematic fave. I mean, I think, like, most of the characters in this comic do not good things. Right. Um, but they're characters, they're not people, and I don't, I don't think problematic faves as a concept, really, uh, 
should apply to characters because the, they do bad things because of narrative reasons, not because uh, they have problematic politics or beliefs. I think that's what the double quotes were for. I see. You know, I, how, like when you when you apply that construct to made up characters instead of real people, it becomes like kind of you're just playing at it at that point. Sure, and I, and like I don't think that you have to. Be shameful of your love for the beautiful trash character Briska, uh, because she's well written, I assume. Um, or she, just like, she gets to do a lot of interesting things and go through a lot of interesting changes. Yeah, like the entire like, I don't know. I don't want to like go on a rant about Tumblr fandom, but like the do. the <laughs> idea that like characters who do bad things are like off-limits is absurd. And, like, yeah. the idea that, like... Like, there, like people say, like, uh, if you root... Like, if you like a villain, you're a bad person. Like, if you... could, Like, if you, if you, like, think this murderer is charming, you're, like, evil. And, like, that's not how fiction works. That's not how any... That's not how it works. Well, so, I agree with you, but I also think that part of what those part of what that sort of body of opinion is getting at is not so much like you find this murderer charming as like you attempt to exonerate them which i do agree is oh yeah not a healthy way to engage with someone who is like quite you know who who does not even necessarily someone who's explicitly painted as evil because i think that's that itself is sort of an irrelevant concept, but it's more like, if they do a bunch of terrible shit and then you exonerate them for that terrible shit because they're charming... Oh, yeah. Like, don't do that. That's not good. But also, they're fictional characters, so, like, kind of who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, you're not, like... Like, you liking a character or hating a character if they're supposed to be hated is, like, that reflects the writer, not the character. Right. So, so like, if anything... Andrew Hussey is my problematic fave for, like, writing well and then fucking up a bunch. There you go. You know what? Actually, very true. And he's a real person, so it's, like, yeah. it does literally apply. He, like, I, his work is kind of a fave. He's very problematic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you Good go. Good question. Yeah, thanks. Um, um, if you, oh, so if you guys have questions that have spoilers in them... You should hit me up personally. I'm Brickchip on Tumblr and on Twitter, and I have a non turned on as well. Nice, nice, good organic flow. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I'm Crunchleaf on Twitter and LeafCrunch on Tumblr. Nice. Um, thanks for nice. listening, and we will see you next time that we record this podcast. We will. <laughs>